Hope you have one of these. And uh, get you a one-year Bible. You can still get in. If you wait until the middle of February, it gets a little depressing trying to play catch-up. But uh, please, let's read the Word of the Lord through this year together. And um, um, you can do, there's there's a lot of options on this, and uh, you can get paperback is just a couple bucks. If you get an Amazon account, you know, Amazon does new books and used books. Most of the time I buy the used ones, you can just get them for a couple bucks. And uh, they're just as good many times as brand new stuff. But uh, if if you're you're hardcore and die hard and do King James, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that um, neg- negatively. I, I personally believe that King James... Uh, version of the Bible is is the most authentic and accurate Greek translation into English. And um, so uh, I always use a King James as my principal text. And um, um, but I I do really enjoy uh, three other ones, and that's the NIV, the message and the amplified. And um, the problem you get into with other versions is is doctrine. Doctrine gets a little bit flaky when you deal with some of these other things. Uh, when you deal with something like the Living Bible, it's it's really watered down. And uh, my biggest um, um, concern and and my biggest criticism of other translations is the difference between the word forgiveness and remission. They are not the same, and so many times in other translations, they will inter- they use them interchangeably. Most of the time, they will interject forgiveness for remission. It's not the same, and um, um, it will say, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Um, um, you, you, you... Um, you have to remember, um, it says, though your sins be as scarlet, though your sins be as scarlet, and um, um, scarlet, the, the color scarlet w- was never accomplished with one process. Um, the, scholar, carlet, or the color scarlet get my tang tongled here and it's like uh, um, you 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 dip it once in a very deep red ochre that they got from uh, a, a, a red clay they let it dry then they dip it again uh, scarlet is only capable of being produced after it's dipped two times it's a double dyed process and um I, I've, I've always wanted to do it. There are just words, and I, I may talk about some of those tonight I, if we have time, but um, that Bible is very, very, very precise. And there is a reason why the New Testament is written in the Greek language and why the Old Testament is in Hebrew, but there is no more descriptive language in the world than the Greek language. In English, we just say love, but in Greek, there's three words for love. Uh, you, you'll read uh, 
about the word W-O-R-D. And uh, for instance, in, in, your, in the King James Bible, it'll say, John 101, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Then in Romans 10, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Same word, W-O-R-D, in Romans 10 as in John 1 and 1. But in the original, it's not the same. In John 1 and 1, the original word is logos, which is most often translated word, but also can mean mind, will, or plan. And I've always loved that because... um, uh, you can you can say in the beginning was the plan, and the plan was with God, and the plan was God. I I've always been fascinated with that verse in Isaiah that says, "I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like unto me." Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done. So, if you want to understand the end, you have to be a student of the beginning. You have to be. And so um, uh, the other word is a word called rhema. That's the Greek word in Romans chapter 10. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, but it's rhema. Rhema means personalized word. It's when you take it to yourself, and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a huge deal. And um, um, when you deal with scarlet, it's, there's a re- you do, do, do your homework, do a word search if you have a Bible program, and, and type in that scarlet. Man, it's all through that Bible. That, that cord that, that Rahab hung out of her house, it wasn't a red cord. It was a scarlet cord. When you deal with the tabernacle of Moses, it's not red, it's scarlet when you deal with so many things through the Bible, it's, it's so much symbolism there, and there's so much typology, and uh, it's 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 very important that uh, that that you grasp that. I uh, uh, the story that means so much to me, and I, I repeat it often, but there's just people that haven't heard it, and I I I always like to keep everybody on the same page. Uh, my oldest daughter criticized me one time, and she said, Daddy, you need new stories. And I said, no, I don't. I just need a new audience. <laughs> and uh, my stories are great. I just need people who have never heard my stories because people that hear my stories for the first time go, wow, you know. But my daughter, being my daughter, she'd get away with saying stuff that I won't let just anybody get away with. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but... Um, um, the best way I, I, that I've ever had to explain this to you is my 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 wife's uncle was a little boy, and was was arrested when he was nine years old in outside of Boston in Foxborough. He was arrested as as just a child because he threw the switch on a set of railroad tracks, and it would have been a a, a terrible accident, but. Uh, those one of those men that was walking down the railroad tracks noticed, fortunately, that the switch was wrong, threw the switch back, but there was a fresh snow and there were little tracks, and he just followed the footprints to the preacher's house and arrested Bob. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was... But when Bob went to join the military years later, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him join the military because he had a record. So the question is, had the 
the, had the community forgiven that little boy of what he'd done? Of course, of course he'd been forgiven, but he, he still had a record. And uh, when you, when you, when people come to repent, you, when you study the blood in that tabernacle of Moses, the blood is through the whole process. It's through the whole process that they slew that sacrifice at the altar. And then they went to the laver where they washed that blood. That's a, we've got hunters here. You ever field dress a deer? I don't care how many, I don't care if you do buy them plastic gloves and all that other stuff. It's always on your boots. It's always just, it's, uh, and uh, if you don't deal with that, Blood has got a very unique smell in a very short amount of time. Those priests went to the laver and they washed. They washed that blood off of their hands and off of their feet. And then they took that blood. The blood's the only thing left. All the rest of it was burned up on the altar. But they took that blood through the holy place, went under the veil, splashed that blood on the mercy seat. And that's when you get the word Shekinah, which means the shining it was uh, God, I've taught you for years, the presence of God comes in two flavors. It comes in two dimensions. There is the omnipresence of God, and then there's the manifest presence of God, and they're not the same. And uh, that's why one scripture says, the whole world is full of his glory. But there's a great prophecy, I think it's in Ezekiel, where it says, at that day, the knowledge of the glory shall fill the earth. It's not just that it's there, but they know that it's there. And so I've played tricks on crowds for years and said, ask them, who was the first one to get the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? You know, and there are there, people's minds give wonderful answers, like it had to be Mary, the Blessed Virgin, she had to be the first one to get the Holy Ghost. Um, other people say, no, it was John the Beloved. He was probably the... Others say, no, it was probably Peter because he was given the keys uh, of the kingdom. But uh, I, 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 that's not Bible. The first one to be filled with the Holy Ghost was the house. It said it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so uh, we, we, we've... I, I may talk about it with time tonight, but um, we we have f- phrases in Pentecost that that uh, um, we I, 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 I've, I watch people praying out around altars. A lot of this is older Pentecost, but man, I, if you got around someone praying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there'd be somebody that'll say, "Hang on, hang on, hang on," and someone else will say, "Let go, let go, let go," you know. And someone else will say, yield, yield, yield. And, and if, man, if you don't know what's going on, man, it's just, it's, you know. And, and uh, we, 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 we use a phrase, we need God to move. We need a move of God. And even the second verse in the Bible, you know, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, verse 2 said, and the Spirit moved on the face of the waters. And, and my question has always been, well, where in the world's God going to go? I mean, where, 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 Psalms is very clear. Go, go as far out in the oceans as you can get away from land. And, uh, and he's there. When Neil Armstrong put that first boot print in that lunar dust, the Lord was there to meet him. You know, make your bed in hell. He's there. 
Take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. He's there. Where, where are you going to go where God doesn't already exist? Because there's only three words in our vocabulary that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for God. And that's omnipotent, which means all power, omniscient, which means all-knowing, all and omnipresent, which means he, he occupies all three time-space dimensions at one time. God is presently in the past, presently in the present, presently in the future, all at the same time. He's not just everywhere right now. He's everywhere yesterday and everywhere tomorrow right now. And so this is the first day of the new year, but I promise you the God that we serve is, is still 2019, and he's 2021 while we're living in 2020. God can look at the dashboard in the rearview mirror and through the windshield all at the same time. He's out there in front of it. And that's, so that's why, you know, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He's already there. It's already there. You don't have to worry about your past if you're in him because your life is hit with Christ in God. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You know, this is winter time, but, but, but the Lord is, you know, summer, winter, and spring, and fall all at the same time. And, and uh, Jesus, when he began his ministry, said something very powerful. He started, it's in Luke chapter 4. Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist, and and he, it says, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. And so he's a young, a young rabbi. And uh, he's been, he is given the book of Isaiah. And he reads Isaiah 61, spare the Lord is upon me, anointed me to, you know, preach good, preach the gospel to the poor, opening the prison of them that are bound. And then, then, then there's this fascinating phrase in Isaiah 61 that says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that, of course, is, <clears throat> is in Isaiah 61. It's also in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus read that. If you read the prophecy in Isaiah 61, the prophecy goes on. It says, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to appoint unto them who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Watch this. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. This is this. Is this. But when you go to Luke 4, Jesus didn't say all that. He didn't read all that. He got to the place where it said um, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, and he stopped. And he took that scroll and, uh, and gave it back to the rabbi and the, and the chief priest. And, and he said something amazing. He said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. This today. And so that, 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 that doesn't mean much to people if you're not a student of the word. Because you have to ask yourself the question, what is the acceptable year of the Lord? And the answer is in Leviticus 25. I, 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 when I was a young preacher, I made a list of 10 men that I wanted to meet. And number one on the list was, was a guy named G.T. Haywood. 
And I didn't know that Haywood died in 1933. I didn't know that. But I had read this book. My dad had this book called The Victim of the Flaming Sword. And I read this book, and it, 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 it deeply, deeply affected me. Because I, I, um, I, my pastor was a, a righteous man. I don't ever, ever mean to denigrate my past. He wasn't an educated man. I don't know how far he went in school, but he wasn't an educated man. He was a righteous man. His prayers, God heard his prayers. My dad to this day would say, I would just as soon have Lewis Porter pray for me as anybody in the world. My pastor and his wife, they were godly people. They were righteous people. But he he wasn't a, a, a student and so when uh, I, it was very difficult for me when I was a boy, I would go to church and Bible study would be, Bible study was always on Tuesday night, youth service was always on Friday night, and even though it was youth service, everybody came, you didn't miss youth service, regardless of how old you were. It was, we went to church four times every week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday and Friday. It was just the way it was when you had evangelists come. It was Tuesday through Sunday, twice, so seven times a week. I remember one time being in a, in a revival for, I think it was 16 weeks, 16 or 18 weeks. It was at least, it was four months. And, 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 and people, you, you couldn't pull that off today. But, uh, but we did back then because we didn't have as many distractions as people do today and lives, you know, a little bit slower. You know, years ago you had the camp meeting and that was the, the, ultimate thing that would happen in the year, you know. Now, um, they're, they're, I know personally for me as a pastor, um, you know, we will take a group of people in January to Alexandria, Louisiana, and there's a great meeting then. And then uh, uh, there's, there's the, it's every month of the year. There's a thing in Columbia, Mississippi. I, I spoke at that last year. It's, it's a big, it's a big event. And there's a thing in Stockton, California, and on and on. Every, every month, you know, you could go to something bigger than General Conference. And it was just, so we've got lots of options now. But back, back then, it, 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 it wasn't that way. And, 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 and I, I just, I would go to Bible study, and my pastor would read a chapter of the Bible. He, that's what, that was Bible study. He would read a verse, and he, he would just look at it, and he'd go, hmm. Mm, 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 mm. And then he'd read the next verse. And that, and that, and that was Bible study. He, he didn't comment on it. He didn't give any type of exegesis. He, he didn't, he, and so I grew up without knowing the Bible. I, 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 I was filled with the Holy Ghost and got baptized be, just because of being overwhelmed by the Spirit of the Lord. But it wasn't a, 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 a church that was there was a lot of Bible study, a lot of prayer, a lot of very intense prayer, a lot of very sincere people, but, but, but uh, not, not, not. So I remember, I remember at 16 reading a little book called, Is Jesus in the Godhead or is the Godhead in Jesus? And when I read that book, it was my spirit exploded. And I remember where I was, and I remember when I finally realized that there are not three persons in God. And, and when, when I, when I, when I saw that, it was like, oh, oh, oh my goodness. 
And so that led me, and so I was hungry. I had this voracious appetite to read. And my dad had this little book, and, uh, um, you know, The Victim of the Flaming Sword, written by Elder G.T. Haywood. And uh, Haywood was a pastor, a black pastor in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, knowing what I know now and all the time that I've spent in Indianapolis over the years and meeting so many of those people, it is my personal belief that Haywood was the greatest preacher of the 20th century. And um, uh, for years, for years after Haywood died, the police department attributed the low crime rate in Indianapolis to Christ Temple. To this day, Indianapolis, Indiana has the lowest crime rate of any large city in America. Has the lowest crime rate. We, on the other hand, had nine people shot yesterday. Happy New Year. You know, but uh, so uh, don't, you know, it, it, remember, remember, remember Abraham dealing with uh, Bishop Cast, um, pastors a church in 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 uh, Warren, and I remember the first time he invited me to speak at his church, and so I did my best to prepare, and and thinking it was you know Sunday church. When I got there, all the men were in tuxedos, all the women were in evening gowns, and I had no idea what was going on, and I said, Bishop. What what am I? Do you dress like this for church every Sunday? He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, this is our 30th anniversary. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? I would have prepared something more appropriate. He said, well, I, I, I did that for a reason. He said, I just want you to preach. And uh, he, he said, he said uh, you know, chief of police is going to be here. And, and I, I said, the chief of police? He said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, the mayor's going to be here. You know, um, what? who's the mayor of Warren? Jim Fouts. He was, he's going to be there. His wife's going to be there. The, the, the whole city council was there. The head of the Midwestern Ecumenical Council was there. And I didn't have any idea. I don't even know what ecumenical means. But, man, he was there. And they were all, and so... I, 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 he said, I just want you to preach. That's what I want you to do. And, and so, so I just did what I tried to do all the time, you know? And, and I, I, I looked, I looked at the mayor and said, Mr. Mayor, in the Bible, there was a, there was a place called Sodom and it had a twin city called Gomorrah. And if there, if, if, if there would have been 10 righteous people, between those two cities, they would have still existed to this day. And uh, you think of Abraham. Abraham is praying, and he says, would you spare it for 50? And God says, okay, I'll give you that. Well, then Abraham gets a little bit more aggressive, and he slices five off. And he said, how about 45? Okay. And he said, well, I'll work once. Let's try it again. How about 40? He said, okay. Then Abraham gets real aggressive, and he slices 10 off. He said, would you spare it for 30? How about 20? And I think in his mind, Abraham's going, okay, I got my daughters. I got their husbands. I, yeah, me, my wife. That's 10. He said, would you spare it for 10? And he said, okay, I'll, I'll spare it for 10. But what Abraham, or what, yeah, what Abraham didn't understand was, you know, uh, 
Lot, uh, or he wasn't talking about his family. He's talking about Lot, thinking Lot's okay, his wife's okay, his kids are okay, their husbands are okay. He, uh, I, I, I remember years ago doing a study. I can't remember exact what chapters it are. It's like 12 and 13 or 13 and 14. But, but in Genesis, it, it'll say Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom which means every day, he wasn't there, in there. It's just every day he got up and opened up his tent flaps. That's what he saw every day when he got up. Exactly one chapter later, I can't remember what verse it is. It's either, it's either verse in 12 of Genesis, and then it's in 13, or it's in 13, it's 40. It's the same number verse one chapter later, because one verse says, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. One chapter later, and I'm sure... Matthew, being Matthew's, probably already got it behind me right now, as smart as this kid is. Matthew, I need to tell you something. I have been all over the country and in a lot of places around the world. You are the best Scripture guy. I mean that. I mean that. I have, I have been in thousands of church services over the years, but there's nobody quite like Matthew Cawthorn. He is an amazing guy. And... Um, but isn't it, watch the progression. He pitches his tent towards Sodom. And then it says he dwelt in Sodom. Then when you go to 19 of Genesis, it starts out saying he sat at the gate of Sodom. Now these are walled cities. And so there were gates in these walls. And in, in architectural term, it's called ingress and egress. If you've ever been to a big stadium, it's a terrible word. It's a Roman, or it's a Latin word, and, and it came into Roman language. They call it a vomitory. If you ever go to a, a basketball arena or a football, and they've got these, these holes in the middle of the seats, that's a vomitory. And it's, uh, it's how people get in and how they get out. So they, they, the, these, remember Matthew? Matthew is the, he works for the IRS. It said, Matthew sat at the receipt of custom at the gate, at the gate. Why? Because he knew sooner or later, everybody's going to come by him. Have you paid your taxes yet? Hey, you still owe the IRS this or that, you know? We're going to garnish your wages, whatever. You got penalties and interest. That's the way it would be today. And, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's that way with Sodom. The, 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 the real estate, remember in the book of Acts chapter 3, the guy with, who, who couldn't walk, he sat, he sat at that gate begging. Why? Because everybody that went to the temple had to go by him. It's a good spot if you're a beggar. And, 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 and so that real estate around those gates is highly prized. And when it says that Lot sat at the gate of Sodom, he, he's involved politically in that city. And, and so when, when, when Abraham is praying and doing the math, I know Lot's righteous, and I know his wife is, and I'm hoping his kids are and their husbands, and that's 10. So he's convinced he's prayed far enough to save those two cities. But, but, but that, that's not the case. I mean, even to this day, the word Sodom carries with it a very terrible connotation. 
and uh, you get a little insight into how messed up Lot became because the Bible said an angel came to his house and the men of that city, they said, bring your visitor out. You know, we want to be with him. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a sexual thing. And, and he said, big dad that he is, I'll let you rape my daughters. You can have my girls. And they said, no, we don't want your girls. We want the man. That's, that's, I just can't imagine wanting to raise your family in that kind of a mess. And, and it, I, it's not original with me, but, you know, they, uh, Lot got, got, got his wife and kids out of Sodom, but he never got Sodom out of them. And, and the Bible said to this day, somewhere, somewhere out in that desert, there's just a, an old lump, and it just looks like any other rock. But it used to be a wife. It was a woman. We don't know what she looked like. We are not told to remember her because of her education. We're not told to remember her because of her beauty. We're not told to remember her because of how much money she was worth. It just said, remember Lot's wife. Second shortest verse in all the Bible. Why? Because she looked back. She looked back. Bible said, you put your hand to the plow and you look back. Said, you're not fit for the kingdom. But I think all of us have looked back a time or two, if we're really honest about this thing. And there's 360 degrees of direction, but 359 of them are wrong. Paul said, this one thing I do. I forget the things that I've left behind, and I press towards the mark. I mean, think of, think of how messed up this is. Lot's daughters lie with their father. And the result of the incest between Lot and his daughters are Ammon and Moab. And when you study the Old Testament, Ammon and Moab are, are pains in the rear to Israel. There are at least two verses that I can remember off the top of my head in the book of Psalms. It says, Moab is my wash pot. It's where God does his dirty laundry. And, and, and yet... You know, so David, I'm trying to remember how it goes. So David, David's dad was Jesse. Jesse's dad was, uh, uh, was it Salmon? Huh? What? I can't remember, Kathy. I just know this, that there's a book in the Bible called Ruth, and, and the real hero seems to start out to be Naomi. But Naomi and her husband and her two boys leave Bethlehem, Judah. I, I've, I've always been fascinated with that, and, and I know I'm rambling a little bit right now. But, but, but Bethlehem means house of bread. Judah means place of praise. So they live in Bethlehem, Judah. And there's a verse, it's the first verse in the book of Ruth that said there was a man of Bethlehem, Judah, and uh, he left and went to Moab. And because there was a famine in the land of Israel during the time of the judges. It's a very specific verse. And so when, when you look at Naomi's husband and their kids, and they live in Bethlehem, Judah, and they left and they went to Moab. And Moab's God's wash pot. Why would you leave in type, in type, you're living in a place where there's fresh bread. 
or at least there ought to be. And there's, there's praise. It's a great picture of what the church ought to be, a place where the word is taught and where worship accompanies spirit and truth. It's a great type of that. But they left that, and where did they go? They went, they, they went to Moab, and Moab is, is the wash pot, and the husband dies, and the boys get married, and the boys die. And, and, and I, I always, it amazed me because watch how specific it says. There was a famine in the land during the time of the judges. We still have the book of Judges. And if you read the book of Judges, there's only one great famine during that time. And that's when you read the story of Gideon, who started out with thousands, and God whittled him down to where he had 300 men. Remember those men that had a torch, and they put a jar, a pot on a torch, and they had a trumpet? And God said, when I give, or, you know, Gideon said, when I give the command, break the pot, let the torch shine, start blowing on the trumpet. So here, here is 300 men who shout and shine. And when they did, literally, there's a, there's a, there's a guy in the Old Testament, his name is Zerubbabel. And, 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 and uh, there's, there's a fascinating story about a battle there. It said, and the Lord set ambushments against the enemy. If you do your homework with that, what it means is they got so confused, it was dark and at night, they killed one another. And that's what happened with Gideon and his men. In that darkness, 300 torches looked like millions of them, and all them, 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 them horns blowing, echoing everywhere. The enemy thought they were completely surrounded. They just started running in confusion. All of a sudden, you stab me with your sword, I'll put my spear right through your belly. And they killed a whole bunch of them. It, it, it was, it was amazing. Here's my point. See, 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 Naomi's husband could have been one of them 300 guys, but he left. And, 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 and one, of, one of the things that terrifies me about that first verse is it said there was a famine in the time of the judges. And so it teaches us we can't afford to have bad church. We can't afford to have dead, dry church services. Why? Because me people make bad choices when you got a famine in what's supposed to be bread and praise, where there ought to be word and worship. If we don't have good word here and good worship accompanying that word, people are going to make dumb decisions. And I've told you for years, I would love to burglarize your life. I'd like to stick a gun in your ribs and say, you're going to heaven whether you want to go or not. I've had people through the years around these altars. God knows it's the truth. I, 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 as soon as they speak in tongues, I just like to shoot them right in the head. Say they're ready to go. Bam. You know, he, he judged me, but they're going to make it. Paul said, I'm willing to die in order for Israel to be saved. <laughs> I've never taken it that far, but I've thought about it. You know, this bum ain't going to make it two days. He's ready right now. Bam. You know, <laughs> just, just craziness. And so that's why I've told you that the best thing that I can do as a pastor is do my best to work with the staff and the teams that we have to create an atmosphere where you can make good choices. And the, 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 you know, there are, there are, there are three 
component parts to great choices. And you've got to have word, and you've got to have worship, and you have to have peace. You're never going to build a church without peace. Solomon, his name means peaceful one. You're never going to build a church if people are fighting, if there's, if, there's, if, there's, if there's a war raging in the pastor's heart or in his house or, or in the congregation. I was raised in a church of fighting. It's why I absolutely despise division. I, I, I have done things through the years, and I know even to this day some of you are going, why in the world did he come down so hard on that? Because I have seen where that goes. And if you've never seen church division and church splits, you know, fighting in the church, I'm, I'm talking, yeah. If you've never seen that, thank God you never have. But I've seen that. And I'm telling you, there's nothing uglier than, than, than carnal Pentecost. <laughs> there's nothing worse than, than backslid Pentecost. You know, it, 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 it's bad, 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 bad. And, and so I, 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 I was preaching at Bishop Cass Church, and here's the mayor sitting on the front row, and I said, Mr. Mayor, if you understood the value of this church, you'd pay their mortgage. Buddy, when I said that, that whole church stood up, started clapping. <laughs> I mean, a whole bunch. Well, the mayor, his eyes are like a deer in a headlight, you know? You know, and all the city council's going, because I don't know what kind of church they went to. I knew the mayor, he was Episcopalian. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's dead Pentecost. That's what Episcopalian is. And it's just, he's sitting on the front row. I just kept on preaching. All of a sudden, his wife, she just starts bawling and squalling. And, I, and she, she, I mean, she was made up beautifully, man. But I don't care how much money you spend on that paint, you mix it with tears and it's black. I mean, she looked like Alice Cooper sitting on the front row, man. She had black, just, just streaks running down there. She's going like that. He puts his arm around her to comfort her. She throws his arm off and stands up and starts clapping. He don't know what to do. So he stands up. He starts clapping. And Bishop Cass is behind me saying, it's working, Pentecost. It's working. Go, go. <laughs> You know, it's just, we're apostolic people, okay? You know, Pentecostal experience, apostolic in lifestyle. This, this, is, this is commitment. Every Bible study I've ever taught over the years, it comes to a crisis because all of a sudden people go, oh, I, think, I, I, I think he's expecting me to change. Yeah, I... I you know, it's, it, this is not rehab. This is reborn. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It, nothing's more frustrating to me as a pastor than for someone to say, oh, pastor, I've always been that way. No, 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 no. You, you were born again. That old man's crucified with Christ. Don't tell me just because you've always been mean and nasty and a booger bear, you're still going to be that way. Don't, no, 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 no. I believe there's a change. Take out that heart of stone. Put in a heart of flesh. That's, that, that's real transformation, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's, that's where after. This is, this is I'll, I'll, I'll do it Sunday. Sunday's a big deal around here, but, but it's just, I, 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 we, we, 
I, I want to show you where we want to go for the next five years, not just the next year, the next five years. And it's just, I'm 62 years old. This is my last hoorah, okay? And I'm, I'm not going to be one of these crazy preachers that die with my boots on. Now, I may die. I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow to Texas. I, I, the plane might go down, and if I go down, fine. It's just, I've taught you for years. You're indestructible till God's done with you. If God, when God's done with me, I don't, I don't care how much you pray. I don't care what doctors you have. I'm dying, okay? I've tried to show you how to live, and I'll do my best when the time comes to show you how to die. But I might die fast. I might die on a plane tomorrow. I don't know. But all I know is I don't plan on it. So you got to have a plan. God will interrupt it. But uh, that's why, thank God, I don't know the, the, you know, you buy stuff at the store, you better not drink this or eat this after this date. Everything's got an expiration date. Well, you and I got an expiration date on us. But I'm kind of glad I don't know when it is. Because if I knew exactly, it, it would possibly motivate me to get more done or depress me or terrify me. I don't know. So you live every day like, like you're, you're trying to be ready. You know, and that's why I, I'm, I'm pushing this kind of stuff on you. It's just, it's just, I, 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 I probably did something stupid today, but I don't know what it was. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I so far, I think I've lived perfectly today. I really do. I, 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 I haven't let anything lodge in my mind that was beneath the dignity of a child of God, and I haven't said anything stupid so far. I might in this Bible study tonight. You know, and it's just, I've tried to be careful about my words, and I tried to have some time in the word and time in prayer and, and doing my best. So, so I, I feel like I'm starting off this year right. I, I'm so glad it's a brand new year because I botched the last one up a hundred times. I mean, do you ever think of just, I've never taught you on that, but just how magical it is to have January 1? God did that for a reason. He said, this month shall be a beginning of months unto you. It was really April for them. But for us, this is the beginning of months for us. And it's just, I, 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 I love this time of the year because I still believe I can lose weight. <laughs> and I still believe that I'm going to memorize more scripture than I ever had before. And, 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 and make some money. And, 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 and reach some people and build something in the church and just get dreams. I, I, Traylon gave me a guitar last year for Christmas. I still haven't got that thing all figured out, but I want to, you know, and it's just, I, I, I just, just, I love this time of the year because I haven't had enough time to mess anything up yet. <laughs> and it's just, it, it, but, but this is a, this is a wonderful, Wonderful season, and so I, 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 I'll go to bed tonight, and, and, and i got to get up early in the morning to get on a plane, but I think I'm going to be able to, Valerie told me years ago, I'm a box checker, Brother Hoffman, I'm a box checker, and I knew exactly what she meant when she said that, because when I look at my life, I, a couple years ago, I was having a, a really good day, and, and I wondered, why am I so happy today? Why? So I, I just sat down and started writing, trying to figure out why was that day better? Why was, did I have that kind of attitude? Why? And, and, I, and I melted it down to two things, that there were two things that bring me great joy, and one of them is giving, giving 
something somewhere, and the and the other one is getting something done. I, I not nothing just geeks me more than to be able to check the box and say done. And so I understand what Valerie meant by that. And so tonight, before laying for my head down to sleep, I I, th- I can check that box. Day January one, I did real good. You know. I prayed, I read my Bible, I didn't say anything stupid, didn't do anything. Did you see the Pope today? Oh, you ought to see the Pope. Pope was going to pray, and he had his hand out, and some woman just grabbed his hand and started rubbing it, and he ripped her his hand out of hers and slapped her hands, and don't you dare touch me. And then he apologized, and, and then the Pope said, well, even the Pope has a bad day every now and then. And uh, and I agree with him. I understand what that means. Even the preacher has bad days every now and then. But this has so far hasn't been one of them. <laughs> I box check. I mm. only got three hundred and sixty-four more to go. You know. <laughs> so, but but I want more. You know, I, I mean, I had a neighbor one time who was a devout Muslim. Muslims have something called the pillars of El Shagrib, and if you're going to be a good Muslim. Um, you, 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 you're going to be faithful, faithful to church. Number two, you're going to tithe. If you don't tithe, you're, you're, you're not a Muslim. I mean, they're, they're big on that money deal, man. And, 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 and the, 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 the third thing is they pray five times every day, five times. And the other one is called the Hajj, where if they, sometime in your lifetime, you want to go to Mecca. And, and, and pray there at Mecca. And they're the, those are the pillars of El Shagrib. Those are the things you want to do if you're a, a good, a good Muslim. And, and, and he confronted me and he said, he said, uh, Muslims are much more devout than Christians. And, uh, I said, oh, yeah, I agree with you. And it's stunning because he wanted to fight with me. He said, uh, he said, I pray five times every day. How many times do you pray, Harold? And I said, well, be honest with you, sometimes I don't pray at all. And he said, you don't pray at all? He said, see there? See there? And I remember saying, but you don't understand. The value of Christianity is not based on the one doing the believing. It's based on the one we believe in. And he looked at me and he said, I do not understand. I said, okay, I'll give you a couple examples. I said, in political realm, probably the greatest politician the world has ever known is Caesar. But Caesar died on the Senate steps of Rome. (laughs) Et tu, Brute, if you've ever read Shakespeare's thing. And uh, (laughs) Mike and I were talking yesterday. I said, sometimes you feel Mike had a bad experience a while ago and talking with someone. And I said, well... You know, you step into this ministry thing, you get this big bullseye on your chest. I said, there's just times it's that too brute. And he said, what do you mean by that? I mean, you're going to look at somebody that you were absolutely convinced was on your side, and you go with this big knife sticking in your back, you you, you too? <laughs> you, you're going to kill me like everybody else, you know? And it's just, you know, so Caesar died on the Senate. Maybe the greatest philosopher the world has ever known is a guy named Socrates. Socrates died drinking hemlock, a poisonous leaf, in a, in a, in a, in a prison in Athens. And, and you know, uh, he, he, he said, I, I don't understand where you're going with this, Harold. I, I said, what happened to Muhammad? 
He said, he died. I said, exactly. I said, the one that I serve lived and died and resurrected. That's the difference. And he said, you got me there. He said, Muhammad didn't resurrect. And I said, we, we, what we do, see, if Jesus did, when we built this building, the architect, Art Collegian is a wonderful guy, great Christian. But he asked me, where's the cross going to be? And I said, we're not going to have a cross. And he used to be Greek Orthodox, and that was like blasphemy. What do you mean you're not going to have a cross in a church? I said, we're not going to have a cross in a church. I said, how about a big hole in the wall? Could we put a big hole in the wall? And he said, what do you mean? I said, don't you understand, Art? The Romans killed thousands of guys on crosses. Lots of people died on crosses. He said, well, what's the hole in the wall? I said, that's the open tomb. He's the only one that came out of the tomb by his own power. You read, I, 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 people have criticized me for years. People said, oh, you're denigrating the cross. But, but if you read Corinthians 15, Paul said, if he didn't resurrect, we're, we're all living in deception. If he didn't come out of the ground, we just might as well go to the ball game and get drunk. Because that resurrection is what this whole thing is about. And that's what I told my neighbor. The one that I served lived and died and came back to life. And what I do is based on what he did, not what I've done. I enter into that. And that's what makes, that's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. It's the one that we believe in and what he's done for us. And I don't, what time is it? And I have a watch on. Listen to this. Here's Colossians 2 and 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For what time I have left tonight, let, let, me, let me talk to you about words, words that are in the Bible. Because thoughts, thoughts travel on words. And, 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 and if you have a thought on your mind and, and you want to convey it, then, then you're going to do it with words. It's, it's like, uh, well, you know, or you know what I mean. No, no, I don't. You know, I, it frustrates me, some young people. You, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. Tell me. Say something to me. You know, the, the person you talk to won't have a clue unless you're able to express yourself because words are the primary thought vehicles for the human race. And, and, and uh, uh, the, the English language is full of weird words. Uh, some are odd, some are amusing. Others, to me, are just flat-out confusing. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, a butterfly is not a fly. It's a moth. You know, a jellyfish is not a fish. It's a squid. A dandelion's not a lion. It's a, it's a, it's not a fly. It's, 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 it's a flower. And a, a titmouse. It's not a mouse. It's a bird. Okay? Did you ever eat a hamburger? There's no ham in a hamburger. Uh, okay? Uh, a panda bear. It's not a bear. It's a raccoon. You know? A chipmunk ain't a monk. It's a squirrel. A polecat. 
That's a skunk. <laughs> a pit bull's not a bull, it's a dog. Mountain lion's not a lion, it's a cougar. Funny bones is not a bone, it's a nerve. A peanut, it's not a nut, it's a bean. That's why I get frustrated. Like people want to be called gay. Uh, it's not gay. It's not funny. It's perversion. A charismatic is not a charismatic. He's a backslid apostolic. <laughs> he, uh, charisma. The, the, the word, charisma, it's a word for power in the Bible. Charisma is the adjective form of a Greek noun. And it means to be spiritually empowered and endowed to minister. And when people leave the real stuff, the first thing they do is throw off all form of righteous appearance. Now, I, I, I do my best, and, and, and I, don't, I don't talk a lot about this publicly because we do so much of it privately, but I, I am absolutely and completely convinced that we are supposed to be a witness. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you be witnesses unto me. I, I, I believe that very, very, very strongly. And I don't, I can't talk like this a lot of times on Sunday because we've got people here that, that haven't got a clue what's going on. And so I got to try and be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. But this is Bible study night. You people are the diehards. You, you, this church lives and breathes and dies or lives based on what's here in Bible study. That's why prayer meeting is so important. We're expecting over a hundred people in prayer meeting next Monday night, this coming Monday night. Because for these next three, I'm pushing on you, squeezing on you. Don't go tell me I got to get the kids in school. I can't be there. I've seen people in this church for years pray. Would you please pray that God would give us a child and God give them a child. And then they say, we can't come to Bible study because we've got to get the kids in bed. And so the very kid they asked God to guess them with has now become the excuse to not come to the house of the very God that gave them the child. It's craziness. It's nuts. <laughs> and it's just, I, I, I just, because I'm convinced the effectual, effectual, fervent, so that lazy prayer stuff don't do it. Effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people. What's, what's righteousness? It's just doing what's right. You know, say the right words. Amen. Go to the right places. Touch the right stuff. Be around the right people. You know, that's what righteousness is. And, and, and it's just the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people avails, availeth. What's that mean? It means it matters. It makes a difference. So what's that mean? It means if you're not praying fervently, you're not going to get anything done. You know, I, I come to pray and, and, and there are people say, come on, pastor, lay off, you know, and it's just, but, and, and, and it's catching on in this church. Cause when we come here to pray, I don't want you coming here saying, now I lay me down to sleep, park my car in the street, hope nobody rips it off, you know, or just memorize all the missionaries' names and God bless this one and God bless that one and God bless this one. And I'm all for having a prayer list. But, 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 but when we come to, you know, it's one thing when, when we have a corporate prayer meeting, you can't pray corporately the same way you do privately. There's a whole difference in that thing, man. And it's just, you, so don't pray the same way corporately that you do privately. 
Oh boy. Why? Because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a stretch. Remember that prophet in the Old Testament? That's a kid. The kids, the boy's dead. But the Bible said the prophet stretched himself. How do you stretch if you're already three times bigger than him? It, 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 we're, we're, t- we're dealing with something in the spirit here, trying to get you to stretch. If all you ever do is pray in English, then learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. The Bible said, building on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. If all you ever do is pray in the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues, that ain't doing you, you ain't going to do anybody else any good. It's corporate prayer. What's that mean? It means if all we ever do is talk in tongues, then, then it, 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 it's one dimensional. I'm trying to push on you. You want to do that when you're alone? Fine, do it. I'm cool with that. I do that. But when you're in a corporate environment, pray that God would enable you to discipline your mind to be able to craft syllable and consonant and verb and vow and create and craft prayers. That's what we're, we're making prayers we're making prayers. So there's no effort to that if you already know their name. There's no effort to that if you already know what we're, I'm, I'm asking you to stretch yourself when we come together and pray and say, dear God, help me tonight. Cause there's a tipping point in the spirit, ladies and gentlemen. It's it just, it's a, it's like being on the seesaw when you're kids, man. And you get, you get some, some, some chubby pal on one end and you gotta have four of us on the other to make the thing two to teeter totter, you know? It's the same way in the spirit. You gotta understand, sometimes it just takes one drop of devotion on the other side to push that thing the other way. And, and that's why you gotta, you, Paul said, first of all, prayers and intercession, giving of thanks. What, what does it mean? It, th- those are different ways of praying. The intercession, if you've ever been in intercessory prayer, you, 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 you probably not going to do that in English. The Bible talks about groanings, which can be uttered. You're giving birth to something. You're not praying for what you want. You're praying for what God wants. That's a whole different animal. And so when you come together in a corporate prayer, this is what I want you to do. Dear God, who, where do you want us to go tonight in prayer? Do you want us to go to South America? Do you want us to go to, to Africa? Do, 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 do you want us to stay here in this local city? Do you want us to stay within the confines of this church family? Where do you want us to go? Do you ever play whack-a-mole? I mean, that's what prayer is. I mean, this thing comes up, bam, you hit it. Up here, bam, bam, bam. That's what prayer, prayer is like having the janitor's, stealing the janitor's key ring. And you're trying to get in the lunchroom. You ever, you know, high school janitor's got that big thing on his, with that big, comes out there, that, 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 you know, that big retractable thing, man. You know, I mean, it's, I, I hate keys. I, 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 this is, this is what I have. That's it. I, I hate keys. But, 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 but if you're trying to get, but brother, brother Mooney told me, or I was, I was with a group of men. He told this great story one time. This little boy 
came up to him and said, Brother Mooney, and Mooney pastors a church in Indianapolis. He said, when I, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor just like you. And, it, and Mooney's a tender guy, and it just overwhelmed him, and he, big old tears are running down his cheeks. And he said, well, why, why do you want to be a pastor like me, son? And he said, because you got the key to the pop machine. <laughs> so what if the pop machine's in, 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 in the kitchen and the kitchen's locked, you know, and you got to get the janitor's key ring? I promise you, we got people here tonight. You ought to see how many keys are on there. Who, who's got the most keys here tonight? Tell me. Who's got the most? Huh? Who's that? Brandell? How many you got? Huh? Ines, how many you got? Huh? Oh, man, we're not talking about rabbit's foots and all that other stuff, man. <laughs> Brother Roberts, how many keys you have? I know you got at least six. You got eight. Can anybody beat eight? Huh? Anna Marie Parsons, where you got? She said she's only got two. Oh, looky here. Oh, you win. Huh? No? Oh, who can beat eight? I know somebody's in there can beat eight. Huh? How many you think you have? How, how many? Oh, give me, give me, give me your keys. Huh? It's not even the car keys. Look at this. Look at this mess. I mean, that's, it makes perfect sense to her. It means nothing to me. And, and let's say I'm trying to get in, into the, let's say somewhere in this is, 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 is the key to the pop machine. You know, you think I'm going to hit this first time? I promise you, man. Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever pull the plug out of that switch and try to put it back in when it's dark? This is a, an alterable, irrevocable law of the universe. You're going to have to flip the switch the other way because the fat plug is on the other side. It never, I have never stuck that I could remember stuck the plug in the wall and it fits. It's always the fat ones on the other side. It's the same way with this. I promise you, I would be on key number 11 before I ever got the pop machine open. What are you saying? I'm saying that's what prayer is. That's why Michelle was always the greatest one in the kids, you know? You know? You have to have been around here for a while to understand that story. And uh, that's what you're doing in prayer. That's what we do Sunday. Remember Paul said, lay hands on no man suddenly. That's what he did. I, I violate that every Sunday. I do. I violate it. Why? Because I'm not the apostle Paul. Paul said, I know no man as to the flesh. In other words, when Paul went up to you, he's giving you an MRI. Bzz, bzz, Holy Ghost. Bzz, bzz, backslid. Bzz, bzz, carnal. Bzz, bzz, prophet. I can't do that. I just shake hands with everybody. But I'm going to tell you what I do do. I'll go praying around the altar, and you'll pray for somebody, and it's like praying for that carpet right there. 
And you go to the next one. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not the guy to pray for that person right now. So I'll go to the next one. It's like you're praying for a piece of wood. Then you go to the next one, and all of a sudden something goes, whoa. And I go, aha, I found the key to the pop machine. That's where I'm supposed to pray. That's where I'm supposed to be at. That's why when somebody is really intensely praying for somebody, don't grab them and say, come on over here and, 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 and pray. Leave them alone. Why? We got a divine hookup going on there. It's just when people are praying in the Holy Ghost, don't just come up and put your arm around them and indiscriminately disturb them. That, that bird's going like this. That, that, that dove is getting ready to land. You gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta have some sense in the spirit to understand, whoa, you know? I mean, if some guy's fixing to ask some girl to marry him, you don't wanna say, hey, bro, uh, you know, you wanna go to the ball game next week? You, you don't interrupt that. That's a very special time. When somebody's in the Holy Ghost and they're interceding and you don't have no idea what's going on in the spirit, they may be praying for a pastor in South America. They may be praying for somebody that's fixing to die in North Korea. You don't know. You're in mysteries, but in the spirit. There's a power there. And that's, that's not now I lay me down. That's intercession. And when you get an intercession, you don't know what the minute is. You don't know what the, you lose track of time. You're in the midst of a communion with a timeless God. This is huge that you understand this. And, and there are times, there are times, it's like, you, you'll see me, I'll get, I'll get under a light somewhere, and I'll read my Bible, and sometimes I'll just read it out loud. Most of the time, I'll read probably Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 always does it for me, or Psalms 51, but it's just, I'm reading that. If that doesn't work, you know, I'll start singing a song. Now, you know me, I can't sing, but that doesn't matter if you don't, my singing moves God. Because he realizes, and I'm reaching up to him, and I, and it's just, it's what I'm saying is, if you, every major league baseball pitcher has to have three great pitches, a fastball, a curveball, a slider, something like that, and and if we're going to really be who we need to be in God, you got to do more than be able to say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You got to do more than go. Ooh, and I'm not. I'm trying. I'm not trying to mock speaking in tongues. I'm just saying. You, you, if you've got that pitch down. Now go to the next one. Do you know how to intercede? Do you know how to give thanks? Do you know how to make make prayers? Make prayers. That that that's a discipline all of its own. You've got this amazing English language. Now take that thesaurus that you have of words and craft this. This, this, this gun, this bomb, because do you realize that we, we, and that's what I'm saying, dear God, help me to pray the prayer that can be the tipping point in this community. Help me to pray the prayer that can make the difference between no and yes, death and life, forgiveness and despair and fullness. It's just where, where is that? And that's what you're searching for. And that, and you wham, you hit that one, you hit that one. But, but when you find that, forget about the rest. Of, there's where you park for that prayer time. I remember years ago, I preached the same sermon three Sundays in a row. And people, I didn't change nothing. I mean, same scripture, same example, same everything. And there were people saying, my God, don't you have anything else to preach? What's the deal? And I said, the reason I'm doing this is because you didn't get it the first time. I'm going to do it again and again and again until you get it. 
And it's just, and, and that's what we got to understand. It's just, there's, it's, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that I'm the paragon of this, but I see this in the word and I'm stretching and I want you to stretch with me. It's 2020. You know what 2020 is? Perfect vision. That's what this year has to be when we see it clearer than we've ever seen it before. We got to, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. You know, you, I, I get so sick of, you know, my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Don't, don't stop there. Go to the book of Philippians. It said, take the, get the mind of Christ. Get the mind of Christ. You can start. You, know, you remember that scripture in Corinthians? I have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things God has prepared for them that love them. The verse doesn't end there. It keeps going. It says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. By his spirit. Yes, there's things. Remember that thing in Corinthians, uh, is, it, is it chapter 3, where it says, we look not at things which are seen. We look at things. Look at the word in We look at things which are not seen. <laughs> if you can't believe the impossible, you'll never see the invisible. And that's why it's just stretch, stretch, stretch. You know, don't, don't I, I, I say this so many times, but it's, it's the beginning of the year. We're back to basics here. Don't write a check with consecration. You can't cash with daily living. Do not make some impossible vow to God that you can't keep. An impossible number of scriptures you say you're going to memorize. So it, come on, it would be better... If tomorrow morning, at, at, before you went to work, it would be better if you prayed in the morning. Now, I was a night owl for years, and my wife's gone. I still go back into my bat antics sometimes. But because I couldn't focus with noise, I had to have perfect stillness. And so I waited till everybody went to bed. Then I would study, and I, that, that's when I would do my study at night. And I develop, and it's a bad habit because if, if all you do is pray at night, a lot of your prayer is going to be wasted by asking God to forgive you of the stuff you messed up during the day. It would be better if you learned. The Bible said, and a great while before day, he went out and prayed. If you can this year, do your devotions in the morning. And we have mothers here with kids I get it, but I live and have lived for 40 years with a praying woman. And I don't care what time of the day she goes to bed, she gets up at five because she knows nobody else is awake then. And that's when I'll hear through the ductwork in the house in the bedroom, my sweetheart in there praying, interceding, reading that Bible. She gets that out of the way because she knows once, once, once seven o'clock shows up, and Ashley's rolling around, and our phone always starts ringing about a quarter to wait every day, and it goes till midnight. I was sound asleep last night, 2.30 in the morning. Wham, somebody called. And they don't live here. They live a long way, and it was they were ready to, I had to talk them off the ledge, and it was like, I didn't even know who I was, man. It was just like, <sighs> it's the beginning of the year. If, if you've never done this, don't say, I'm going to pray an hour every day. No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't do it. Say 15 minutes. 
15 minutes. And here's what you do with that. You get up and you get this right here. You get this. And you say, God, I haven't met anybody yet today. I haven't experienced any. I have no encounters with people, but you know who I'm going to meet today. And you know what road I'm going to walk. And I'm asking you that when I go through your word, I'm asking you to give me some daily bread right now out of this word that I'm going to need sometime today. I promise you it'll happen. I promise you it'll happen. There will be a scripture that you've read a hundred times and all of a sudden go, oh, pow. And there'll be some time in that day when something stupid happens and you go, oh. Because the Bible said no weapon formed. Form, it means it's already built. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Because at the last minute, just about the times, did you ever watch Frankenstein? You know, and, and, and I think it's Frankenstein. He's up there in the, in the top of that big, and the lightning's going, and, and Dr. Frankenstein's got Igor, and he throw the switch, man, and he throws that switch, and the lightning bolts go. I still remember first time, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, you know, and it's just, <laughs> that's the way Satan is. Every day, he's got all this stuff ready to destroy us. And he's, you know, getting ready to throw the switch. And, and Jesus takes the batteries out. Takes the fuses out of the box. Or clips the wires. And, and he's going. And you and I just keep on going. Totally oblivious to what the Lord just protected us from. Why? Because we did that thing in the morning. Take, take, take five minutes. All it'll take. Take five minutes and read your scripture. Take five minutes and have and have a time of prayer. Just uh, we we got to go. But if I had you hold your breath, I, I I I got fascinated with scuba diving years ago, in when I was in Japan, and I met free divers. And free divers are freaks of nature. They are just they they they're usually skinny little people, and they they super pump their lungs. <laughs> They breathe in, and they stuff their lungs with as much air as they possibly can. And and they, the man just broke the world record free dive. Just broke the world record free dive. He dove seven hundred and forty feet down and back on one breath of air. Held his breath for six minutes. That's you don't do that. Just sticking your head into the bathtub every now and then. Mm, they don't work that way. They don't work that way. It's a real devotion situation. Because most of us, three minutes, maybe. But if I had you hold your breath right now, and you got to the end, you'd go, oh, that's what you want this to become. That if you miss a day, you go, oh, <clears throat> David said, I want you more than my necessary food. Yes. We're all hungry right now. Jeremiah, I said, he said, what have you been doing? I said, when I get really, really hungry, I drink two more bottles of water. But guess what? It doesn't work. <laughs> Jeremiah said, do you think we could maybe make pizza-flavored water? <laughs> We're hungry right now. Why are we doing this? For two reasons. The primary reason is 
it ain't going to change God. He can't change. Okay? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to fast and pray till Jesus gives me what I want. No, you're not. <laughs> this is what will happen. You give yourself to prayer and fasting, and you'll sift your desires through the grid of his spirit. And what falls out is going to be his thoughts, his ways. And all of a sudden, you start seeing it the way he sees it. And you go, I really didn't need that, did I? <clears throat> so this fasting and prayer that we're doing now, it's not going to change God at all. It's going to change us to see it his way. You, you, you have to understand that. The second reason, and then we'll pray. The second reason is this. I, I, when, when you don't eat, this body will scream at you. You want your spirit to scream at you over the lack of prayer and fasting and word as much as your body screams at you when you don't give it the right groceries. When we get to that point and say, I didn't pray yesterday, I missed it, and I, oh, I got to go back to that. I didn't read my word yesterday, I got to go back to that, to where it becomes like breathing, word, prayer, worship, consecration, and it just becomes, it becomes lifestyle. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the privilege to be here tonight with my brothers and sisters. I, we have a record number of people this year that have committed to fast and to pray and to give themselves to you and to your ways and to your thoughts. Jesus, I would, I would be a lousy pastor if I didn't warn them right now. They're going to get fought. They're going to come up against the, uh, an enemy. He, but, but Satan is basically a coward. And we've got to learn to resist him. If we'll resist him, he'll give up and he'll go find an easier prey. But if we just lay down and just play dead and let him run roughshod through our life, then he's going to do it again and again and again. Because I learned a long time ago, he is a bully. He is an absolute bully. Your word says that when we finally do see him, when we really, and we're going to see him one day, you said one angel, not a host of angels, not a, not a legion of angels. You said one angel is going to bind him with fetters and throw him into a pit. And we're going to look at that, 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 that one that we have, that we have just thought was so amazing and so powerful and say, this is the one. That, 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 that tempted me. This is the one that I gave into so many times through my life. Lord Jesus, I wish he did have a pitchfork. I wish he did have a big old tail on him. I wish he had horns and ugly, but he isn't. He's subtle. He's subtle. And he'll work on a sheep's coat to be able to do something messed up in the flock. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And I'm asking you, God, that we'll be able to try the spirits. Try the spirits and have that radar and MRI and the Holy Ghost working to know what's trying to mess up my kids, what's trying to put a division in my family, what's trying to mess up my habit. And I'm asking you, God, to make us to be vigilant, to not just pray, but watch.
and pray. And be aware, Lord, of the ways and the means. You said in your word that there was a church that was not ignorant of his devices. And we're asking you for that same awareness and that same spiritual maturity to be in this church family and understand we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling on a whole different angle and a whole different level. And I'm asking you, Lord, in these next three weeks, let there be habits, grooves that are etched into our spirit that that needle's going to drop in that groove every time and play the same song. Jesus, protect, guide, and guard, we ask, in your amazing, magnificent name. We pray and call it done. Amen. Amen. Let's thank him together. Jesus. 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 Jesus.